Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, the daily devotional, and the podcast when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, with a special message called Faith That Works. Well, this whole day has been pretty crazy. Um, a lot of last-minute things trying to cram in. And uh, as many of you are probably experiencing as well in your own lives day-to-day, um, parents who have kids at home right now, um, summer came extremely early. The kids are stoked and the parents are exhausted already. So uh, good luck. We'll be praying for you guys. And we also realize that this um, virus and uh, this kind of chaos in our culture has uh, brought quite a bit of struggle for uh, many people already. And um, according to some of the latest reports, we might be much closer to the beginning of this than the end. And with that in mind, um, our hearts go out to those who might find themselves currently unemployed because of this or um, in a difficult situation. And I would ask you from my heart to your family at home tonight and those of you watching to please be praying for Pastor Michael Um, He's okay, but he is sick, um, and he has a a tendency to get sick pretty easily. I think his immune system is not the best, and so we're going to ask you guys to just band together as the church body and be praying for our lead pastor, who is so faithful to the work of Christ and um, really is such a a bold leader in in what we're doing here at the church. And um, I certainly by no means feel at all adequate uh, to take this place after I listen to him preach, but um, I will give it my best, and uh, I will also ask for your grace up front, as I found out I was teaching this afternoon. So I am excited about what we're going to study tonight. Um, The message that I have put together is called Faith That Works, and that sounds interesting, and it actually has kind of a double meaning, as we're going to see in the text tonight. We are in the book of James, so I would encourage you that if you have a Bible or you have um, your phone app to pull that out and read along with us tonight. You know, as we look at current events with the coronavirus and we've seen a lot of chaos in our world. People are dying, people are panicking, people are hoarding toilet paper, fighting over toilet paper and more, and it seems like uh, it's just getting crazier. In fact, you know, for us here at the church, it seems like there have been some days in these past few weeks where uh, the update changes every hour. It's like something else has changed and we're trying to navigate the ever-changing situation, and for many of you, this is just your reality as well if you're Uh, employed somewhere where they're trying to roll the changes and and so on. So, you know, through this chaos, I I also have been looking at the book of Job, and it's so relevant, this text in the book of James. James is one of my favorite passages in Scripture, and I really like James because James might have had the nickname Too Blunt James in his day. James did not pull any punches, and he certainly doesn't pull any punches in his text to us tonight. And, you know, as we look at these words from James that are inspired by the Holy Spirit, I pray that we would be open to what God wants to teach us tonight, that we would be open to whatever He wants to do in our life. And as we look at the book of Job, where we've been on Wednesday nights, we see a man who was a godly man, a righteous man, and Job suffered. Job suffered greatly. In fact, I might submit to you tonight that Job suffered 
more than I think any man that ever walked the earth other than Jesus himself. The suffering that Job endures is beyond, I think, anything any of us will ever experience, and it's certainly not something that I ever desire to have to go through. Job lost everything, and even Job's friends, as you've, if you've been going through the book with us on Wednesday nights, and if you're not, I would encourage you, as Pastor Michael will, we pray, be back next week, you'll join us for the book of Job. We see that even Job's friends did really well until they began to speak, and then things fell apart rather quickly for them as well. But we see Job suffering, and I can't help but think of this text in James. And so as we look at this together, I pray that you will read along with us, and if you don't have access to a Bible at this very time, uh, we're going to have the verses on the screen for you as well. So let's go ahead and uh, dive right into our text. We can jive too, that's cool. All right, so we're going to read out of the NASB tonight. And uh, let's start with James chapter 1, verse 1. He begins the text by saying, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Verse 2. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect, lacking nothing, complete. Verse 5, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously without reproach and it will be given to him. But he who must ask, but he who asks, let him ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Verse 7, for that man ought not to expect that he shall receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded, unstable in his ways. But the brother of humble circumstances is to the glory in his high position. Is to glory in his high position. Verse 10. And the rich man is to glory in his humiliation. Because like flowering grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat. And withers the grass. And the flowers fall off. And the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too is the rich man in the midst of his pursuits. He will fade away. And this is my favorite verse in this section. Verse 12 of chapter 1 of James says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved or stood the test of time, you could say, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. This is one of my favorite sections of Scripture. Because if you've been a Christian for any amount of time or maybe even just a human being, you have had to go through some trials. And James hits home and really addresses these issues head on and says, blessed are those who persevere. Blessed are those who stand the test of time, who stay steadfast. In the text, in the original language, we see this word for steadfast. It has this idea of not just uh, standing against the wind. There's this picture you can see of somebody standing in a strong wind. If you've ever been outside when the winds are rising, we don't get a ton of crazy winds in California, but some places where we have tornadoes and hurricanes, you you can see sometimes the wind is so strong that it's almost as if you can't even continue to move forward. 
but the idea of staying steadfast in the language has this idea of not just staying steadfast in the midst of that headstrong wind that's fighting the, in the, uh, fighting the direction that you desire to go, but it's also moving forward. So it's not just staying planted, it's also this idea of continually moving forward, continually pursuing Christ. And the scripture says, blessed is the one who stays steadfast. And so tonight, in the midst of all the events that have been taking place in our culture, all these changes, the chaos and the confusion, my question to you tonight is, are you still moving forward in your pursuit of Jesus? Or has everything for you come to a screeching halt tonight? Now, a little bit of historical context for this book. James is, this James that we see here in Scripture who's writing to us is the half-brother of Jesus. So you can imagine that uh, that would create an interesting experience in your childhood. Many of you probably have siblings, and if you have siblings, you more than likely have fought with those siblings at one time or another. Now imagine that your sibling was never in the wrong because he was perfect because he was the Messiah. Well, this is the position that James would be in. His half-brother is the perfect king of the universe, (laughs) and so there would be some natural challenges and frustrations that may come with having a sibling of that nature. So James introduces himself at the beginning of this letter, and how does he introduce himself? Now, if I was James, knowing the, the rap sheet that I have, I'm the half-brother of Jesus. Now, that's a pretty impressive stat that most people uh, in all of history would never be able to say. And James could have introduced himself and said, hey, everybody, I'm James, you know, the half-brother of Jesus. Ever heard of him? Jesus, you know, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. But James doesn't introduce himself like that. No, James introduces himself. And what does he say? He says, in the, in the Greek, the word doulos, it, it has this idea of a bondservant or a slave. James says, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. That's the title that James is carrying as he introduces himself in the text. And I think that right out of the gate, we see where James is at. It's not a false sense of humility. He doesn't do this as a a ploy towards humility. No, James does this because he understands that his identity is found in Jesus Christ. And so he introduces himself right away as a servant. Now, I'm not saying that when you meet someone, uh, you know, I would not advise that when you're going in for a job interview, you introduce yourself as, hello, my name is Shane, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. You might freak people out a little bit. I don't know. Maybe (laughs) if that's something you desire to do, then more power to you. But I love the heart behind this greeting that James offers us, that he's a servant of Jesus Christ. And the the idea of a bondservant, if we look at... The, the history in this text, we know that a bondservant was not just a slave in a household, but a slave by choice. So there was this idea that um, oftentimes in, in this culture, you would serve a certain time in a household as a servant, and then you would be set free. But you always were given an opportunity to stay with the master and stay in his home. And if you did that, you would obviously have a home, a place to stay, a place of refuge. If you had a family, you could stay there with your family. And so for many who had served as a servant or a slave in a household, this would actually be a better, more promising future than to go off on their own and try to get started on their own. And so they would choose to be a slave because they loved their master and they could find refuge in that place. And for, in many ways, this is a perfect representation of what our relationship with Christ 
ought to look like. That we have come to understand who Jesus is and that in light of that we've chosen to take the name of bond servant, a slave of Jesus Christ. You'll hear more from Pastor Shane Lance in a moment. As you know, the coronavirus pandemic has forced local and state governments to make some regulations to keep people safe. That means Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California, the church behind Walk-In Truth, where Michael Lance serves as senior pastor, must resort to live streaming their Wednesday night and Sunday morning services. Many churches are having to face the same shutdown to abide by social distancing regulations. If your church isn't able to live stream their service, we invite you to fellowship with us from the comfort of your home during this unfortunate time. Visit walkintruth.com and click on church. That's walkintruth.com. Click on church. Hey, Shane Lance here, and I wanted to take a quick moment and encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer. This is a quick read from scripture with a little bit of commentary, and it's a great way to keep you growing in your walk with the Lord. In our crazy society right now, with all the things we jam-pack into our schedule, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes it's hard to find time to study God's Word. But it is so important as we grow in our relationship with the Lord to study His Word. It's such a vital aspect to our walk. You can text "step closer" as one word to 33222. Again, that's "step closer" as one word to 33222. We really believe here at Walk in Truth that this can be a great instrument in helping you grow in your relationship with the Lord. So once again, we'd encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called "A Step Closer," and you can text "step closer" as one word to 33222. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast. Now, back to Pastor Shane Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Now imagine that your sibling was never in the wrong because he was perfect because he was the Messiah. Well, this is the position that James would be in. His half-brother is the perfect king of the universe. (laughs) And so there would be some natural challenges and frustrations that may come with having a sibling of that nature. So James introduces himself at the beginning of this letter, and how does he introduce himself? Now, if I was James, knowing the, the rap sheet that I have, I'm the half-brother of Jesus. Now, that's a pretty impressive stat that most people uh, in all of history would never be able to say. And James could have introduced himself and said, hey, everybody, I'm James, you know, the half-brother of Jesus. Ever heard of him? Jesus, you know, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. But James doesn't introduce himself like that. No, James introduces himself. And what does he say? He says, in the, in the Greek, the word doulos, it, it has this idea of a bondservant or a slave. James says, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. That's the title that James is carrying as he introduces himself in the text. And I think that right out of the gate, we see where James is at. It's not a false sense of humility. He doesn't do this as a a ploy towards humility. No, James does this because he understands that his identity is found in Jesus Christ. And so he introduces himself right away as a servant. Now, I'm not saying that when you meet someone, uh, you know, I would not advise that when you're going in for a job interview, you introduce yourself as, hello, my name is Shane, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. You might freak people out a little bit. I don't know. Maybe (laughs) if that's something you desire to do, then more power to you. But I love the heart behind this greeting that James offers us, that he's a servant of Jesus Christ. And the, the idea of a bondservant, if we look at the, the history in this text, we know that a bondservant was not just a slave in a household, but a slave by choice. So there was this idea that um, oftentimes in, in this culture, you would serve a certain time in a household as a servant, 
and then you would be set free. But you always were given an opportunity to stay with the master and stay in his home. And if you did that, you would obviously have a home, a place to stay, a place of refuge. If you had a family, you could stay there with your family. And so for many who had served as a servant or a slave in a household, this would actually be a better, more promising future than to go off on their own and try to get started on their own. And so they would choose to be a slave because they loved their master and they could find refuge in that place. And for, in many ways, this is a perfect representation of what our relationship with Christ ought to look like that we have come to understand who Jesus is and that in light of that, we've chosen to take the name a bondservant, a slave of Jesus Christ. And I can't imagine the struggles that James would have faced. And we know that uh, according to our historical timeline, it's, it's, it seems as though James did not come into a believing faith of Jesus as the Messiah until after the resurrection. And can you imagine growing up and getting in a fight and knowing that your brother is never the one who's wrong? And uh, I heard Pastor John Miller say, can you imagine when Jesus started to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life? His brothers and sisters would have been like, okay, he's actually lost it now. But this is the Messiah, God in human flesh. And James has come to a place where he understands who Christ is, and that's why he can introduce himself in such a fashion. Through history, there have been those who have tried to deny the teachings of James because they claim that it contradicts the teachings of Paul, where, as an example, in Ephesians, Paul says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and it is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. This is a fantastic verse. It says in verse 9, not by works, so that no one can boast. But I would submit to you tonight that James's teachings that faith produces works do not contradict the teachings of Paul. They actually complement and complete the teachings of Paul. Because we know that true faith will produce fruit. And this is the call on our lives as believers. And that's why I'm posing this question to us as the church tonight. And I'm asking myself just as much as I'm asking each of you tonight. Does my faith work? Does my faith work? In the midst of this chaos that we're facing in our culture right now, does my faith work? Or am I totally at a loss as to what I'm going to do? Am I, am I running out of hope? Am I losing sight of the things that are most important? Because I can tell you that just in the few days, the few recent days that I've tried to go grocery shopping or go to the store, I can see people losing hope really quickly. And the faith that they had, well, it, it's dwindling. Because tonight... Church, our faith is only as valuable as the, place in which, as the thing in which it's placed. And so if I place my faith in my stock market account for my retirement, right now my faith looks pretty bad. My faith doesn't really work. If I place my faith in having enough material possessions or maybe enough toilet paper, tonight my faith does not really work. But if I place my faith in the perfect Son of God, Jesus Christ, if I place my faith in Him, my faith will stand the test of time. My faith will enable me to stay steadfast in each season of life, no matter what comes our way. I was at Stater Brothers the other night, and um, the guy that... We have a gym that we go to that's that's nearby uh, the Stater Brothers, so we find ourselves in there way too much. 
And uh, it's, it's always bad, I suppose, when you are very acquainted with the cashier at your grocery store. Uh, <laughs> it seems as though my wife and I are in there every time he's working. But I was talking with him, and uh, a security guard was standing by, and we were just talking about the, you know, things that have been going on. And the security guard said to me, can you imagine when something real actually happens? And obviously, we know that the coronavirus is no small thing. It's affecting a lot of people, and there have been a pretty substantial amount of deaths. Um, but this security guard, I believe, may be a Christian because he was referring to the rapture and things. And I wonder, what will happen when true chaos breaks out? See, it's in the midst of chaos, it's in the midst of trials, in the midst of testing that our faith is truly put to the test. And so tonight, again, I ask you, does your faith work? Verse 2, James says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now, when you read that text, immediately everything within me says, no, (laughs) trials are not an opportunity for me to find great joy. But I have actually come to find in my walk with Christ that God does his greatest growing in my life spiritually through the most difficult times in my life. In fact, suffering is a part of the Christian life. It's a promise that if you follow Christ, you will suffer. In fact, in Matthew 5, 11 and 12, Jesus says, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you, falsely on my account. In verse 12 in Matthew 5 says, Rejoice and be glad, Jesus says, for your reward is great in heaven. So they per- for they persecuted the prophets who were before you. There's another section in Scripture where Jesus says, they hated me, they will hate you also. There is a promise to us as Christians that we will suffer, that we will not be able to find a bunch of fans in this world. The gospel at its core is offensive to our flesh because it calls the darkest parts of our life into the light to be exposed. And that's when God can truly transform us. I heard Greg Laurie one time give an example. He said, you know, the worst thing is when you go to the movie theater and that normal cell phone light of somebody's screen when they're texting would not bother us in a bright atmosphere. Say we're outside before the movie. But once we go into the movie theater and the lights dim and you have your popcorn and your candy, that guy that's texting in front of you, all of a sudden that really dull almost unnoticeable light before is now quite a nuisance. And I love how Pastor Greg tied this in and he said, you are often like that in a dark world. You are a beam of light in the midst of the darkness. And frankly, people sometimes just find you very annoying. And it's not even your fault. It's because the gospel calls our sin into the light. And we know that we are the light of Christ. And so Jesus in Matthew gives us this call and James reiterates this truth that we are to rejoice when we suffer. I think of Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. While they're chained and imprisoned, what are they doing? They're singing songs to the Lord. And actually in that story, God works an amazing miracle and we see lives changed because of Paul and Silas' approach in the midst of suffering. Some of us will stop singing under much less difficult situations. And so I challenge you tonight, 
as I have to as the music director at this church, to ask you, what will keep you from singing? What will keep me from singing? Is it something as small as my mood that day? Or maybe a disagreement that I got in earlier that day with someone? Because while Paul and Silas were chained and imprisoned, they were singing God's praise. I wonder sometimes how easy it is for us to be so fickle and for us to bounce back and forth and one day we're full of faith and the next day we have our doubts again and it seems as though we can't seem to be steadfast. It seems like every time we take a few steps forward, we find ourselves taking more steps backward. I've heard it said that the Christian life is like walking on a treadmill. There's no such thing as standing still. You're either moving forward, in a sense, or you're moving backwards. And I don't know about you, but I'm always a huge fan of just fail compilations of people trying to do really dumb things on treadmills. And I guess they've never seen these videos that I've seen because I know I'm never going to try to do anything dumb on a treadmill because I will be in one of those videos. But it seems like people always uh, try to do really weird things on treadmills and it never ends well for them. It is much uh, to our enjoyment, but that is oftentimes how the Christian life is. We're either moving forward or moving backward. There's no such thing as standing still. Because the moment that we seek to stand still and become stagnant, we actually are moving backwards. You're listening to Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, and his special message called Faith That Works on Walk in Truth. Please follow Walk in Truth on Facebook Instagram, and Twitter. We'd love to get to know you and remain in contact with you. We use social media to encourage you as well as use it to keep you up to date on what's going on with our free events. So please follow us today. Search Walk in Truth Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Listen tomorrow for part two of Pastor Shane Lance's special message about faith that works. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.